This is The Thirst Tank, presented by Trap Brewing Company. Whether or not like it's a brewery's place, I feel like we have this opportunity, you know, all different kinds of people are coming in here. We're talking about, I mean, this silly thing, this beverage someone's drinking is bringing all these people together. Why not be the place where people can come express themselves in person to another person, not like divided by a screen, not becoming this keyboard warrior and then blocking someone, just like really having the time face-to-face to talk to people. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Thirst Time, the show that aims to take you through the careers and journeys of some of the most creative and interesting minds in the craft beer industry today. This week, we interview Molly Reynolds from Celestial Beer Works, based out of Dallas, Texas. Now, generally with these interviews, I've met the person prior and we've chatted a little, so I have some sense of who they are and how they did what they did. But with this one, it's first time, raw, no preconceptions, straight up conversation. And you know what? It was great. (laughs) Uh, It was super fascinating to hear all about Molly's journey and how they formed Celestial and how they approach what it is that they do. Now, I think, slash hope, you're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, you are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the Thirst Time. This is our interview with Molly Reynolds, and we start with that all-important question. What was that first beer for her? Right. So when I was 21, which is the legal drinking age here in the United States, I was living in St. Louis, Missouri. And so that is like the powerhouse of, uh, or like kind of like the hub of Anheuser-Busch and Budweiser and all this like huge Mm -hmm. macro um, beer world. And so when I was 21, I went to these um, tours there. And before even like knowing what craft beer was or anything, we'd go on these tours and they would explain like how they craft this beautiful uh, beverage and they would take you on the tours and show you the malt and show you the, um, the hops and everything and bring you out to the horses that they have out there. So in my mind, I was like, wow, crafted beverage. Like this is craft beer, Budweiser. So for probably my first like year of legal drinking age, I was like a Bud girl. Anytime mm-hmm. I'd go for um, uh, any kind of beer, it was always Budweiser. And so a year-ish later, I was at a music festival. I'd, I'd moved back to Texas from St. Louis at that point. And I was at a music video or a festival in Austin and we were going to all these different shows at different bars. Some of them were like free outside. Um, some of them you had to like pay a little cover, but kind of the point was like bounce around the city and see all these artists. Um, and so we didn't want to pay for drinks at all these different places. So I went into the a gas station with some of my friends And we were just looking for like the highest ABV and like something that would be like a good thing for our buck. And so normally when I would have uh, grabbed a six pack of Bud Light or something, I was like, no, no, that that won't be um, as smart of a purchase in this circumstance. So I went for a new Belgium Ranger, which I don't know if they make Ranger anymore. I think they have like a different version of that beer or something now, but grabbed that. It was like, six or seven percent so i was like oh this is you know totally worth it for this music festival and it blew me away i think it just like something clicked i was like wait a minute like no this is beer like i thought that was beer 
this is like something that you know, is way more exciting, way more flavorful. Um, and kind of since that day, I feel like then I was like seeking, I think that's just like a standard American IPA, um, maybe like Cascade or something, which at the time I think was like pretty sexy of a hop. I think it was like 2008 or something, maybe 2009. Um, and now, you know, maybe I wouldn't like go seek out like a Cascade or Simcoe or whatever is in my beer, <laughs> but just like, oh my gosh, at the time I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is so flavorful. Um, and yeah, so that like really turned me on to IPA and craft in general. So the first beer that you kind of like that led you into this was just you trying to get hammered uh, and then yes, it just yeah, flipped, yeah. <laughs> and flipped your whole world around. And here you are um, over a or decade just, later. You know, trying to be a little fiscally irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I guess being introduced, it's funny, isn't it? Like how the introduction really matters. So going, going into Budweiser and getting a real sense of the place and what they do there kind of led you into like, wow, this, yeah, this is a really crafty yeah. product. And, and it is, I guess it's the most crafted product just in a different way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, they have all the money behind them to like throw at these tours. So it's this like incredible experience. But yeah, then you kind of, now that I've been on many of, craft brewery tour and you know have our own brewery i'm like all right yeah it's a little bit different like so can you stretching out from that then so that's the kind of real um real start and i I can kind of sense that excitement when you do try that beer and you're just like whoa this is this is a game Mm. changer um because we've kind of never met properly in person i'm i'm excited to kind of go through the whole story so from there were you just on a a total kind of craft beer um, adventure through Texas? Yes, absolutely. And I think, I mean, at that time, Texas is relatively a young beer scene kind of in comparison with a lot of other places in the Mm -hmm. United States. So really at that time, there were a few breweries that were kind of popping up, becoming more popular, but I would say when I first started drinking, it was still more of those kind of larger United States breweries where I was like really diving into Sierra Nevada and like I would go to parties with my bombers of stone. And so I wouldn't have to drink their kegs. Like, so it was like a lot of craft breweries, but I, it took me maybe even until after I graduated college or something to really like, wait a minute, like I can get maybe at the time they weren't that quality of beer or that like um, level just because Texas was so young, but like I can get beer that's made here that um, is also craft is also super exciting. And so, yeah, after a few years, of kind of drinking um, some of the other beers from the other states. I've delved into the Texas, um, the Texas beer craft thing. world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, was you, what were you kind of doing at this time? Because I'm, I'm just trying to get the preamble before you launch into starting your own brewery, which is always, always a kind of, well, especially in Texas by the sounds of it, quite a, quite a venture. Um, so what kind of, mm-hmm. were you studying at this time or were you just uh, working in various places? Yeah. So kind of when I started my beer journey, um, I was in college studying, um, as an art major. So more like fine arts with an emphasis on painting. So doing that came right out of school as an art teacher for elementary school. So I worked for five years doing that. Um, and while I was working with all the kids, that's when I met my husband and it's kind of funny. So we met on the app. I'm sure you have it there. Tinder. Like never heard of it. Dating yeah, app. Never, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think maybe a little bit more clean when we were on it. Back in the day, but 
so innocent. <laughs> it started so innocent. You know, so very innocently. Um, but yes, yeah, so we met on there. And I just remember in his bio, it was like something about liking craft beer into craft beer. And I just remember like rolling my eyes like, oh yeah, you and every other 20 something man that I see on here. Um, but when we met, he really was into craft beer and he knew quite about it, quite a lot about it um, and was home brewing. And on our first date, um, he, he was working as a mechanical engineer when I was teaching. And on our first date, he brought some of his homebrew, which was pretty good for homebrew. He had been homebrewing for a few years. Um, and so I was like, wow, this guy really does know craft beer. And so that's kind of, we met, we both had this uh, love of craft, love of beer. And so we really like, he kind of introduced me a lot to some of the more local craft breweries and the things that people were doing around and beer festivals. Um, so uh, yeah, I'll give all the credit to him for that. And so we kind of dove into this Dallas world of beer together. That is so cool. And again, I mm-hmm. always kind of reference these points, but so you had a beer when you were going to a music festival that changed your perceptions on what beer was, which later mm-hmm. kind of led you down that path, which then became the connection to your future husband. Yes, <laughs> and here yes. you are. It's, <laughs> it's just these really weird. And I guess like the core of it is a, is a sense of community, which is when you, when you do get into, into beer, I guess other things as well. And you find someone else with that interest, it can lead you into, well, marriage, maybe. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> I mean, the community, I'm sure you see it there. I'm sure everyone sees it. It's just so interesting because I yeah. feel like it's this hobby that all these very different people from very different backgrounds, different, I mean, even like political beliefs and just yeah. are coming together over this beverage and I mean, we see it a lot, like all these meetups um, happening in person, but then also just like in Facebook groups and stuff, people that are so different sitting together at a table and they're like, wow, I wonder how they met. And then getting to know them and they're like, oh, we met on a Dallas Let's Talk Craft Beer page or Amazing. oh, we met on Untapped. We know this couple, like older couple, maybe in their early 70s that literally met on Untapped, the beer rating app. And I'm like, wow this very interesting so romantic yeah it, i think i think ian who works in our warehouse may have done something similar with his partner and it and it does bring people together and that's i guess that's the beautiful element of it there's a few points there that uh, i think we'll pick up on later as as we go maybe, maybe we'll dive into the politics and the, all of that kind of stuff yeah uh, <laughs> which is always fun always fun to talk so you meet your future husband um from there is the homebrewing. So is that when mm. the kind of thoughts started creeping in about starting your own project? Because obviously that's that's a big commitment. But uh, yes, yeah, when, yeah, when did it when did it first come into kind of your thoughts of, of actually there might be a future in this? Yeah, I, I think even when we were dating, maybe when we got engaged, we got engaged probably just after a year of dating or something. And I think we were kind of talking about it not super seriously. I was pretty happy in my job. Um, he was enjoying his job, but kind of looking for a little bit more of a challenge. And so he ended up leaving his, um, position as an engineer and working for this Thai Vietnamese restaurant here, um, that was trying to start a brewing program there, which, I mean, just this incredible restaurant at at that time, they only had one location and they had a beer program. They already had I think like a brew pub license, they were able to make beer, they had some recipes. um, And it was pretty interesting because 
I think they wanted to be a brewery, not necessarily for the love of like all beer, all craft beer, but they just really wanted to make this one beer called Biahoy, which is this like rice lager that I think is like the cheapest beer you can find in the world or something like that. It's like 25 cents and they sell it essentially like on the streets and um, maybe in like a certain city there, but yeah. So they wanted to create this beer that they couldn't find anywhere. So they got the license. They were having quite a bit of difficulty. I think one of the managers there had some experience brewing, but I mean, they were all busy doing the many other things that you need to do in a restaurant. So they had one of the ladies, um, the sweet lady Rosa brewing their beer, but you know, she didn't understand infections and, you know, exactly like temperatures and pressures. I mean, there was so much that like, yeah, she followed the recipe, but they were having some issues with their brewing. And so I think Matt, um, my husband saw some like Facebook, maybe call out or some somewhere online. He saw like, Oh, they need some help. So he's like, you know what? I keep saying I want to get into beer. I'm, I'm going to just go talk to them. And so he went and he didn't even bring any of his own beer. He just kind of like sat down with theirs and he was like, Ooh, this is the issue you're having with this. Or like, Oh, this might be this off flavors because of this. And, uh, so they were like, you know what? We need you hired him on the spot. It was very good for us. Yeah. Super good for us. Cause he was able to learn with them. I mean, learn to produce commercially. Um, and he helps them grow their system larger, kind of learn to put in like glycol and, you know, use larger amounts of ingredients and kind mm-hmm. of all of that sort of learn what Dallas likes to drink, but before we had to start our own. Yeah. So, yeah. And when, when, so your husband is kind of on the brew side and when this mm-hmm. was going ahead, could you see a space for you to slot in? Like, were you getting excited about, was it the brewing that kind of drew you in or were you kind of more drawn to, I guess, everything else that kind of orbits the liquid? So we start getting into design, we yeah, start getting into yeah. marketing, sales, all those kind of things. Where, where were you kind of seeing yourself within that picture? Definitely. I always kind of knew I would be the art side of it. So, I mean, now I'm the creative director, so I'm in charge of like the can designs and the social media and the tap room design merch, what have you. Um, And I mean, I, I don't think I had as much of a clear idea of what it would look like exactly, but I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make the beer beautiful. You make the beer tasty, delicious. Um, and kind of like understood those like very simple roles, yeah. at least at that point. Um, but yeah, we had no idea all the other many hats that we would be putting on and things that we were doing, people that we'd have to hire for random yeah, uh, different positions. But certainly at that point, I was like, you know what, if you keep doing this, if you go into it, um, I'll, I already kind of had the idea, like, I'll quit my job, I'll dive in um, and just like be the art half of Celestial. Wow. Can you give us a sense of like, were you nervous or was it like just pure excitement? Cause it, it is a step out in the dark when you, when you kind of take this road. Yeah. So I think we're also very lucky at this point, kind of just with a trial and error sort of situation, because during the time where we were kind of starting to look at places loosely and kind of thinking of a name and doing some beer festivals, um, Matt was, he had his own tap at Malai kitchen, the Thai Vietnamese restaurant. And they said, you can brew whatever you want. Um, this is yours. So, I mean, 
really gracious of them and really great for us because yeah, we could kind of see like, so hazy IPA was non-existent in DFW. And so he was like, I, you know, he'd tried some of the, the biggies, you know, the new England breweries that were making them, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I think at that time there maybe pint house in Austin was already making one. At, I can't remember. Um, maybe not quite yet, but then like some in Oklahoma. So he had tried some and he was like, you know, I want to give this a go. And so he made it at Malai. And I think some of the bartenders got scared. They went back to like, if something's wrong with this beer, like, you know, it's, it's not clear. Like, so, like no, no, that, that's how it's supposed to taste. Um, but it was wonderful because, you know, usually you would walk into Malai and you see a bunch of families, like maybe people on a date, just like very normal clientele. And once he started putting out these hazy IPAs, it was just like bearded men all along the bar. Like every single table was just like a group of dudes, like trying to get their hands on like finally DFW, like Dallas Fort Worth area has a hazy IPA. So that was good. Wow. I feel like that calmed my nerves a little bit. Yeah. Um, still obviously, yeah, nervous going into this, but just like, okay, you know what? Dallas likes this. Whatever he's doing, it's it's working. And so he kind of already had that, like, people are like, oh, this is the brewery that makes hazy IPAs. Like, we're going to get behind this kind of. And so certainly nerve wracking, but less so because of that situation. So a couple of things I want to dive into here, the Texas beer scene, because obviously Texas is huge. It's a huge state. It's probably bigger than the UK, I imagine. Um, mm-hmm. And now, like I am thinking of it, you know, obviously Texas is famous for many things. And I, I, I am thinking it, it makes me think of Budweiser as a beer drinking state. It doesn't make me think mm-hmm. of, you know, you've obviously got New England, you've obviously got the the West Coast and there's so there's so much kind of um identity to the beers that they drink Uh so it's really cool that as soon as a hazy ipa appeared (laughs) that that these people just appeared just like came out the woodwork just like oh my god here it is (laughs) we finally got it exactly um can you just like just illustrate a little bit about the 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 texas beer scene and obviously there were people there excited about Mm. this but but also i imagine that it was I don't know, maybe an older generation who just, who were never going to get behind something like this. Sure. I mean, I think, yes, we still have a huge population. So it seems of like maybe older generation, but just like maybe people that grew up with like, oh, we're a Bud Light family or we're a Coors or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the big kind of like macro-ish spheres here, there's one called Lone Star that, you know, everyone loves. Um, but it's funny because the, I would sort of look at it like a macro, but I think it technically is craft. There's a brewery called Shiner here um, that people love. And they just like, that is sort of like their Texas identity. And I think people can feel good about it. Their choice just because it is craft, but it's kind of one of those beers that's everywhere. It's just like every single gas station, every bar. Um, and so I think people maybe were drinking that facet of craft, even without realizing it, they're just like, okay, this is the Texas beer. Um, but in the craft world, there were maybe when we opened, I I might be way off, but certainly like 20 to 30 breweries in all of the Metroplex. So in Dallas proper, um, maybe 10. So, I mean, there, it was a scene, it was growing. I, I think a lot of people were still sort of in the model of like, these are our flagship beers. These are the six, eight, 10 beers that we produce. 
every single time we brew, this is what you'll find at restaurants. There wasn't sort of this like one-off culture or trade culture, um, even like really much of like a barrel age culture so much here. And so we definitely saw this opportunity just being kind of like a beer loving couple. We would travel to San Diego, travel to Denver, travel um, to these cities that had these like incredible, like craft beer scenes. And so I think we saw like, you know what? Dallas is cool. Dallas is, you know, they're getting there. We might be a little bit of like a kid sister, kid brother to some of these cities, but you know, people like beer here. Clearly we're seeing people come out for these styles. Mm -hmm. So it was there. It was just young. And I think once um, around the time we opened, there was another brewery um, in a little suburb called Bedford that opened and they were also doing hazies. And so I think people were kind of like, okay, this, this isn't this like foreign style. Um, I, I'm enjoying it. So let me like seek out other craft breweries that are doing it. And so I think it was, we came in at a very good time in the Dallas market or the DFW um, scene, just because I think we are creating something new to us. I mean, not certainly not new in the country. Um, just where people are like, Oh, I, I got to get my hands on this. So, yeah, I mean, I think the scene was a uh, not yet thriving, but excited. It, it was there. Beer it was, drinking. It, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. It, under the surface, bubbling away. So sure, just, yeah. just to give us a, a little bit of a reference, like what is this? Cause Celestial started, is it four years ago now or is it? Um, yes, up? almost four years. So we, okay. we opened in 2018. Okay. So bring us, bring us, up, bring us up to that point. So, cause four years ago, that is, it's not that long ago, considering we've been two years yeah. in, in the lockdown. <laughs> like it's, yes, uh, seriously, so, yeah. so 50% of your life has been spent in, in, in that mm-hmm. world. Um, can you, so you've, you've done the restaurant, you, you've, you've kind of experimented, you've been given the chance, a, a little bit of free reign to kind of take it where you want to, to hone your skills. Um, mm-hmm. so the big step going out, going out solo to, to start your own thing. What was the, I want to say driving force, but also I guess it was always there on the horizon. Yeah. How, how did it kick off? Um, I think, I mean, honestly, when Matt was working at Malai, he had helped them open up their second location. Um, and then they were really wanting his help brewing or setting up a bigger system mm-hmm. so because they were opening up their third i think they have four now um and so he was like you know what i'm going to do this for you all um but i've i've given you i think it was maybe like a little over two years yeah and he's like i'm going to finish this out i want to do this project for you um for them because they've done so much for us but also to kind of like learn how to set this up but then i want to go off and do my own thing and so we were sort of looking at um bigger buildings than we have now i think at that time it was really like production breweries like larger scale breweries that were producing for grocery stores and producing for all these different bars those were the ones that were really um, prevalent and so at that time we're like okay we're going to be a big brewery in around maybe the six month period where we were first originally looking at buildings we're like Ooh, we don't have enough money for this. Like, oh, we <laughs> like cannot like open up in this million point five like giant building. Like, okay. And then I think around that time, we maybe took a trip to San Diego and we saw um, I mean modern times, I think it was the original location. Yeah. Quite a bit bigger than ours, but still we were just like, you know what? This isn't huge, huge. 
And then we went over to Pete support and we're like, you know what? This is like a very different concept. Like uh, they have a bunch of different locations and pizza and everything, but we're like, you know what? They're small. Like we can maybe just cater to our little area and we mm-hmm. don't need to have our beer in every shelf, in every store. <clears throat> and so we found this one building that we're in right now that was the old like garden koi pond shop. It was horrible, like disgusting condition, like plants growing in through the windows somehow and like rats falling out of the ceiling as oh we were taking down the drop ceiling. I mean, really, really bad. <laughs> and it was bad, but it was really nice because the landlord was just like, did not care about it at all. She was like, I'm going to give you this great price. You can do whatever you want with it. I'll help you with the major things. So I think we were like, you know what? He, my husband's like a big fixer upper in nature, maybe just being an engineer. He's really handy. And then I'm like, you know what? This place is ugly, but like, just put lipstick on a pig. Like we're more colors, more <laughs> flash, more disco balls. Like, well, you know, draw the eye away from that crack in the wall. And um, so I think when we found this location, it was just kind of like, you know what? We can afford it. Yeah. This makes sense. It's sort of a strange location in Dallas. There aren't other um, breweries necessarily super close to it, but we're close to uh, train rail. We're close to the airport. We're close to hospitals. We're like, okay, you know, people will be around here. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's worked out very well. We're very happy that we chose this location. Amazing. I, I wish I could have seen it. That's what I, I just had pure like images in my head of just like you both standing there oh. just like with rats like falling down from the roof. So, like, bad. So, 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 so bad. Could we be a brew beer in here? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so again, kind of get into the emotions that you guys were going through at that time. Was that just when you, when you did find your home or you just, was that excitement or massive apprehension or could you just visualize everything that you were going to do and be like, right, let's get to work. And, and still, was it just you yeah. two at this point? It was just the two of us. Um, my sister, who lived in Denver at the time, um, she was like, okay, the second you open, I'm going to move there. I'll be your events coordinator. And Amazing. one of, we call, yeah, we call our bartenders star tenders. So she's like, I'll, I'll be a star tender. She is kind of the glue that holds this place together because she's so organized. She's so on top of it. My husband and I are both jokes. Like we have a lot of ideas, but it's really hard to like schedule ourselves and like put everything down on paper and, you know, stick to the plan that we had. And mm-hmm. so at the time it was just the two of us. But then, um, when she moved here or right when we opened, like it was kind of like, all right, this is it. And we had another sellerman, um, in the very, very beginning that was with us for a little while. Um, but yeah, it was very like small when my sister was in charge of hiring all the other star tenders kind of planning all the um events and then she was so organized that we're just like all right can you just be our general manager like you tell us what to do like we need some direction um but yes definitely very small and we're still pretty small our production team is um including matt just four people uh we have we're self-distribution so we Mm -hmm. have one um awesome distributor sales director that's been with us since day one. Um, he was first of our tender before we started destroying, but he just, we have one van. He, uh, is the one that deals with all the accounts. He brings it out on his own. So yeah, we're definitely very small still. And we, I think that works out very well for us. Um, just culture wise and being able to, uh, kind of 
have our eyes on everything and make sure things are running smoothly. That's so cool that your sister just moved across mm-hmm. the country just to kind of help yeah. organize you guys. Yes. <laughs> and it was great that she was in Denver because, I mean, Denver is this thriving gear scene. It's yeah. like, okay, you have these, I think we thought originally stupidly that it was going to be four or six months. And of course, it was more like a year, year and a half before mm-hmm. we opened. So, but we were like, okay, go to all these different tap rooms, like find out what events are working, find out what's getting people excited. And so it was also like great to have that knowledge um, kind of from a quintessential beer city in the United States when we opened as well. And you guys, did you, you got such a strong kind of image um, and brand, I guess it's Celestial for anyone listening that hasn't checked them out, check them out on like Instagram and things. Mm-hmm. Space being a big theme, uh, mm-hmm. space and science. Um, did you have that right from the off or was that something that kind of slowly seeped in or were you, you know, as the art director, the creative director, you had a vision of exactly kind of where you wanted this to go. It has morphed a lot. I, we wanted to start out definitely just with the name Celestial. We were thinking, you know, that'll be this very easy umbrella of a theme to work things into. So, I mean, right off the bat, we were, our beers were like space themed. I had painted uh, on so our indoor taproom walls, we have like constellations that I painted. And I was like, so originally space themed, yes. But I do think just being a new brewery, having a primarily um, male drinking scene in Dallas at that time, I was like, I, I can't put a lot of pinks. And I think I had like one disco ball hanging and like a little bit of color, but it was much more like black and white space themed, like yeah. a little hint of like bright colors and things. Um, but as I kind of saw like, you know what? No, I almost felt it like it was a duty. Like these women like beer women yeah. deserve to be welcomed into these spaces. Um, and I'd seen it. I mean, going back to modern times, I think that changed a lot for me just as an artist in beer. I mean, they have these incredible, like, creative teams that go in and do these like insane installations. And the one that we went to had a giant, like what seems like 15, 20 foot wall um, tall of like post-it note art. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is me. Like, this is kind of like how I like to create. I don't need to almost like dumb down my, or not even dumb down, but just like make my art more bland um, to make people feel included. Like they're, they're going to come in for the beer. Why not, you know, be who we are and allow ourselves to like welcome in those who would naturally come into like a more colorful place or um, more a place that has more like glitter on things and pink on things. Um, and so kind of when I feel like I let those walls down, it was probably like six months in that I was just like, you know what? A lot of the people that follow us on social media are women. What I like to do is like use a lot of, I mean, quote unquote, uh, feminine colors in my yeah. art. Like, why not lean into that? Um, and I think that's been really helpful for us too. Just kind of having this space where girls come in and have flower arranging workshops, and it's not like this strange thing among yeah. all the like wood and industrial design. Um, but yes, I think we always had like this idea of a theme which was really helpful for me as an artist, just kind of run with, but it's certainly developed um, and expanded over time for sure. 
Yeah, I guess, you know, a, a real kind of theme running through all of the, the independent kind of craft beer side of things. And I mentioned pretty much on ep- every episode is that that authenticity of person, like personalities behind the beer, because if you don't have that, then you, you know, what is it? You know, it's just a job. Mm-hmm. But if you if like it, the beauty of this industry is that you can express yourself within those four walls you know that's your creative outlet um, yeah yeah and and i guess the beers that were getting produced were kind of a reflection on that they're not held back and i mean i, I haven't had the chance to try your beers i'm very excited to one day do that but they're not they're not like held back and restrained they're they're, they're beautiful and big and and flavorful and, mm. and i guess your art kind of reflects that yes and i think i have a big problem with restraints maybe in many aspects of my life, but certainly art. Like, I mean, I'll see, I, I listened to the podcast that you did. I'm forgetting his name now, but the designer slash maybe owner of humble C. Oh, Frank. Um, yeah. But he, yes, yes, yes. Frank. But he was talking about, you know, his designs are, they're all white cans and, you know, mm-hmm. they have this, I mean, really incredible, like very recognizable imagery, just kind of centralized, you know, in the, middle where you immediately know it's humble C without having the logo there. Um, And I feel like I see all these other breweries that just have these like beautiful, clean, not necessarily that that one's like perfect example of like clean lines because that one's very playful. Um, But just like, I mean, even track, just colorful, gorgeous, but so restrained. Mm -hmm. So um, (laughs) clean's not even the word, but just like beautiful. And I think any of the uh, cans that I try to do like that, I'm like, no, 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 I got to add a little bit more. Oh no, it needs a little bit more detail here. And I I do think that that goes very well with our beers. You're right. Like just, we're always experimenting and the production team is just uh, very playful in the way that they create and just like using new hot products all the time, like throwing in different kinds of fruits into beers and playing with adjuncts. And so you're right. I think it's nice when, that is kind of like cohesive yeah, well, do you, um, what do you, you're drinking and then what it looks like. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think the space influences the beer or the beer influences the space? I think it's definitely both. That's a good question. I, I, I would hope, and I would like to say that both influence each other. Yeah. Um, but I do think certainly um, some beers, I'm just even thinking of can designs, like they'll come up with the idea and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can do so much with that. And then sometimes vice versa, where I've just like played with an image, um, you know, bringing in art history or bringing in some kind of like space theme. And I'm like, all right, make something that represents this. And so maybe because we're such a small team and because we're always all together all the time, I think it is kind of like hard to see what necessarily inspires the other, but we're always just like always talking about ideas together. We have a group text with the production and bartender or star tenders and everyone. Um, where people are throwing out themes, throwing out names. Um, and so I think it's, it's just kind of like this messy, massive, like infrastructure where everything is working together. Yeah. It's a, it's a family. It's a family affair, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think is the best way. Yes, for sure. You are listening to Track Brewing Co. Presents the First Time. And this is our interview with Molly Reynolds. So kind of going back to the moment you opened your doors 
now you've got a little bit of like prior knowledge that people do want hazy IPAs. <laughs> so there's a, there's a little mm-hmm. bit of sense there. I don't know if you'd built like a strong enough reputation within the realms of those two like brewery restaurants that everyone kind of knew that you were about to open your own project. Can you remember like the first day, was it a tap room as well straight away or was it just a production facility? It was tap room straight away, which okay. was really nice too. Um, so we opened as a brew pub, which I think people think brew pub, they're like, oh, food and beer. Um, but in Texas, we have very strange laws here that you can have a brew pub license without any food and still be considered that. So we were able to open with a tap room um, and make under a certain amount of beer, which was not a problem for us. I forget how many barrels you're allowed to produce, like hundreds of thousands, but yeah. we are much under that. So we were able to open up. Um, and it was kind of interesting. It was like a lot of the beer nerds that kind of word had spread, um, that we were the hazy brewery, but then also I went to school just outside of Dallas in a little suburb called Irving. So I had a ton of my like college friends and the alumni of that school that were here. And then Matt went to school in Denton, maybe like an hour North. So he had that sort of scene. And then I just think being surrounded by like hospitals, um, and apartments and stuff. It was kind of just like some people like, all right, what what is this place opening? Um, that didn't necessarily have like a knowledge of, I mean, when we opened, we had three beers, all three were hazy. We're just like, okay, hope you like it. Like, and then I think, you know, in the first couple months we added the stout on pretty quick, added, uh, maybe like a cleaner, um, more crispy pale ale or something. Um, and so there was a little bit more for people, but we were just like, okay, this is who we are. We opened our grand opening was Halloween. So we just like everyone was coming in costume. So oh, it was more amazing. of like a party feel anyway. Yeah. So I think it was maybe like a easy way for people to ease into it. Not very intimidating. They're just come in, dress like a pirate, try something you've never had, like bump into a bunch of people that you've never met. Um, and so I think the timing kind of, of when we opened, although we hope to be open way earlier than October, I think we were like projecting March or something. Yeah. Um, it was really nice. I think it was very not intimidating, not like, okay, you don't understand this beer. So you, you're, you know, you being new to the craft brew scene, like you're like more stupid than someone else that understands it. It was just kind of like, all right, this is what we have. We're new. You might be new to it. Come in costume and come hang out with us and try it. Um, yeah. So, so it kind of, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a word that's been on my, the tip of my tongue that I just came to me, um, this is our first conversation, so we've, we've never properly spoken before, mm-hmm. but I definitely get a sense of approachability with what you guys do and um, and who you are as people as well. So diving into the quagmire that is uh, modern day <laughs> politics at the moment, you know, you've spoken about wanting to create spaces that are really open and accessible to, to everyone from all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you see a tap room? Like what, what is it? Is, is it a place that just serves beer or is it a place to, to bring people together in very divided times? And is it, you know, the job of a brewery to, to be out there in, in, in that field and, and go into the, the political chat and say what we yeah. believe in or, 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 you know, are we just a space in which people can, can do that? Yeah. I mean, I, it is very true that, I think breweries, for whatever reason, I, I maybe just because it's a place for people to sit and they've had a few drinks and they feel more open to talk about um, kind of more important issues. 
But for whatever reason, I see it, I mean, all over the country and really the world, breweries becoming spots for um, not necessarily political change, but maybe even platforms for different um, ideologies or um, political stances. And I think we kind of have this unique opportunity where, of course, we don't want to be divisive in any way. We have all different kinds of people coming in, um, but an opportunity to maybe even sometimes quietly stand for, you know, what we support every month we're able to do. We do something called missions instead of flights um, where people can try three different beers and you get little tokens. And then we have little boxes for people to choose to put a token in like a different charity. And wow, so every month amazing. we yeah, trade out some charity. So I feel like that in more of like, yeah, it's up at the bar, but almost like a quiet thing. Like we really believe in these causes. Um, if you believe in them too, like you can choose to put a token in or just hand it back to us if you don't want to support either of those. Um, and then back to my sister who is incredible about bringing people together in every way. But um, she has started something. It was probably, it was maybe around the time um, when George Floyd was killed. Yeah. But we are seeing, you know, so many just intense conversations and arguments um, happening more over social media and online than mm-hmm. we were seeing in person. Um, and so she started right when we were able to reopen our doors um, and have people in the tap room. We have an event um, once a month called Complicated Discourse where people come in. If you participate, you get a little mission pour, an eight ounce pour, um, and you just, we arrange the tables where you're sitting in a big group. We try to keep it very structured so it's not too heated, but we have, depending on the theme, we'll come up with the topic like the week before to see, you know, kind of what's on people's hearts and minds. And just people are able to come talk to each other respectfully. We, it is a serious um, kind of event, but we do try to keep it fun. We have like, I don't know if y'all have Smirnoff ices over there, but they're called yeah. ice. <laughs> Where, okay, yeah. We have <laughs> and them. And it's a big thing in the United States, certainly in the like, maybe more of like a frat boy culture kind of thing. Yeah. But you ice someone, like if they open up something and you give them an ice, like they have to get on a knee and drink it. And so we have a thing of Smirnoff ices. And if people get too heated or they're not sticking to the rules, like we'll ice you. But it's, I mean, it's this opportunity. Like the last one was last week and we talked about you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the week, the yeah. month before it was right after the horrible shooting. Um, we were talking about gun rights. So I, I think it's whether or not like it's a brewery's place. I feel like we have this opportunity, you know, all different kinds of people are coming in here. We we're talking about, I mean, this silly thing, this beverage, someone's mm-hmm. drinking is bringing all these people together. Why not be the place where people can come express themselves in person to another person, not like, divided by a screen not becoming this keyboard warrior and then blocking someone just like really having the time face to face to talk to people which i think is a very important and a really good opportunity um for breweries to kind of step into that realm and take on that responsibility oh molly i'm genuinely blown away by that that's like Mm. such an incredible way of structuring difficult conversations because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm watching from the UK into America, just like, what is going on? Uh, and, you know, yeah. topics like Roe v. Wade and, and gun rights and and you're in Texas. So, like, this is a, 
you know, these yes. are these are these are conversations that quickly become heated, uh, <laughs> and you ice them with Smirnoff ice, which is yes, genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just making it. I mean, that's ultimate approachability because you're, you're literally inviting people with different opinions to, to be able to sit around the table. And how do you actually find, like, like what are the results? Do you generally have, I, you know, is, are people connected after it in a, uh, maybe that's too intense, but like, are people able to do it? Like discuss it in a, in a way that feels like relaxed as, as you can yeah. be with those kind of things? You'd be surprised. I mean, or maybe not like, I guess I should have some faith in humanity. Like you see all these just like virulent, intense, um, angry conversations online and really in person, like people certainly get heated over these topics naturally. Um, but people really do. I I don't know if they're holding back in some cases or they're really just like, you know, when you're looking at a person, you see the humanity in them, even if they have complete different um, opinions than you do on like even a very like intense topic. I think maybe just like looking into someone else's eyes, you're not going to, you know, naturally like call them names or, um, you know, get really heated or whatever. But yeah, I mean, people are able to do it. And actually you asking that, like, are people connected afterwards is interesting because we always hold it on a Tuesday at um, 7 PM and it ends at nine when we close. And I wonder if we should even push it forward and kind of not like to be like sociologists and Mm -hmm. see what happens with these people. But, you know, maybe it would be interesting to kind of like close it out a little bit early and allow people to To then talk, drink together. Yeah. Yeah. Hang out with each other. Um, So yeah, that's an interesting thought, but I, I do definitely think like people in some cases come to certainly more understanding, but definitely like more agreement on things. Um, yeah, depending on what the topic is. Well, you've kind of restored my faith in humanity there, Molly. To, yeah. know that, to know that, like, actually, you know, a lot of people do want to get on if you just put a beer in their hand and, like, sit them across on the table. They don't want to yes, yeah. shout horrible, like, disgusting things at each mm-hmm. other. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and, and the other thing that is really amazing about that is that you're not putting yourself out there. I mean, the work you do probably puts out your kind of political ideals and stuff, but... You're not bringing people into just like, this is the discussion that, um, this is what we think about it. And, you know, yes, it's, it's yes, very much sure. like, we want to hear what you've got to say about it and we can all discuss this together. Uh, yes. wow. That's, that was really cool. <laughs> Thanks for mm. that. I, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't sure where we'd go with that, but that was amazing. So kind of like arching out from that, um, is a question I always kind of like to ask, which is, you know, the next five years in the craft beer scene on a kind of product perspective or on what you just talked about there, what we were just talking about, like a political perspective, mm-hmm. uh, perspective. Um, how do you kind of see the movement moving forward of, of I said the movement, sounds so good, but like, how do you see it progressing? And <laughs> yeah. How do you see it progressing in the, in the next five years? And, and maybe what would you like to see? Oh gosh. I mean, we, I feel like once every few months, we kind of come back to this, like, where is the craft beer scene going to be in three years and five years? I mean, are we still even going to be relevant? Are the new cool hip Gen Z kids interested at all in beer? I mean, is it going to kind of fall off like some other, um, 
not that craft beer is a fad, but like other interests do. I think certainly I see this is very different than the kind of political realm, but I definitely see the beer styles and interests kind of changing. I mean, I think even as brewers, as people that work in beer, we kind of notice that the beer drinkers that have been around for five, 10 years now are maybe getting over like their big barrel age, like extra s'mores beers that have been sitting in a bourbon barrel for three years, whatever. Um, and kind of like, even unfortunately for us, like the triple IPAs that we used to put out were just like snapped off the shelf. Like they would sell out in two days. Like, and now it, it, it very much more seems like people are more interested in cleaner, crispier, more simple beers. Say the word. Say we the also love word. making. We yeah. love, yes, exactly. It, lager. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think, you know, as people that are always in beer, that's what we want to drink. We have a Italian pills on right now that just, it, when I'm going for beer, that's all I reach for. Yeah. And I just wonder kind of like, okay, well, I, I've been drinking, I don't know how many years now, um, beer, like, and this is what I've kind of gone back to, which is funny, you know, coming from Bud Light, where I think that that's like the end all be all, just this crispy, clean lager. And now I'm like, wait a minute, like, I'm, I mean, not that Italian pills is very similar to Bud Light at all, but just like, that's kind of what I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny seeing Austin, which is just four ish hours away. Um, but they've always kind of been like more of a lager city. Um, and I think they're just like an older beer town by a couple years than us. And so I definitely see that happening there. So I, I wonder if that's going to kind of turn the tides over. Um, and then just speaking of crispy, we put out our first, we've had sparkling water on tap just for ourselves and for mm-hmm. whoever asks um, for free for a couple of years now. We're like, you know what? We always like flavor it ourselves just in our glass, like spritz some lemon in there. What if we made it and packaged it and allowed that as like a non-alcoholic yeah. beverage for people? And we didn't expect it to do that well, but for whatever reason, people love sparkling water with lemon and we put um strata hop terpenes in there so it's not like wow. super earthy like like actual hops but oh my gosh they are almost out and we uh put them out this weekend i'm like wow how exciting but also like guys like enjoy your beer like this is just water uh, but that's an interesting um observation we're like wow maybe people just like they want even crispier than lager they want just straight yeah. sparkling like, carbonated water so yeah, well, this, yeah the, we'll the, the kind of seltzer movement was from like the States yeah. and it's kind of seeped in a little bit over here. A lot of like big brands starting to just kind of do these seltzers. And I, I don't know, maybe the day yeah. and age now is there's a lot of focus on how we look and, and calorie counts and all these kind of things. Yeah, I don't know sure. If, if people kind of really lean into that, but that's really fascinating that you, that you've actually mm. seen that become really popular. Um, well, this kind of leads nicely into this has been Ace, Molly, thanks so much for doing this, by the way. Um, yes, of course. I feel like there's so much ground that I haven't actually covered, but I'm trying to keep them, keep them compressed to like an hour's time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but maybe it'd be great to do this again and maybe in person one day as well, which would be even better. Oh, that would, yes, yeah, be wonderful. So talking about lagers and crispy Italian pilsners, which has made me feel very thirsty. So mm-hmm. the last question <laughs> that we always like to ask on the first time is, you're at a bar... They serve every beer ever made 
and they can make you whatever beer in an instant. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, a TV in the corner that just flashes like a news flash, just saying, we're going to get hit <laughs> by a comet in an hour. And the barman just goes up to you and says, what would you like to drink? What beer is it going to be? <laughs> I feel like that changes, this scenario changes my answer to this question. Because it could be a nicer asking, scenario, like, but you're yeah. on an island. For the- <laughs> um, okay. I would say it was probably like five, six years ago. It was when I was pregnant with my first, um, my daughter, but I went to Jester King, um, just this beautiful, incredible, um, experiential brewery with goats and land and vegetation. Um, and they're known for making farmhouse styles. Um, and being pregnant, I could only have little sips here and there, but we had, um, this beer called it's either V and Rose or love and Rose. Um, but it's a farmhouse ale that was fermented on blackberries that had already been used for their atrial um, that they put out every year. And so it was just like these, it was pre, I'm sure there's a better word for this, but like pre-used um, blackberries. And so they weren't like super, super flavorful, but it was just this like beautiful hint of fruitiness that went with the farmhouse ale so well. Like it was just like effervescent and spritzy and like just like a really heavenly experience and i just remember being so disappointed that i was pregnant i'm like you are kidding me like i can't check this whole thing and then afterwards um i matt's tracked it down for me and we've had that beer quite a few times but i just think like maybe it was like the experience of being at their brewery for the first time um and it, it's really cool since then i think that was the first time i ever went but since then we've you know built a relationship them being another texas brewery so it's really special and I was able to tell Jeff this, but, um, just so I think it was the experience and then maybe like I wanted it, but I couldn't have more because I was pregnant, but something about that beer, it's just like, that is stuck with me. Just like this beautiful, light, dreamy, um, beer, lovey and rose. So oh, yeah, amazing. that would be my choice. That's a good one. And yeah, we didn't really touch <laughs> on Jester King cause they, they seem, you know, in that beer scene that you're talking about, like I remember meeting the guys over here. And they were, I was like, oh, yeah, so I didn't know anything about them at the time. And they were like, mm-hmm. yeah, we just have like 5,000 people just pull up and like settle in the, on the land and like pull oh. hammocks. I was like, what? Insane. <laughs> insane. And they were yeah, doing like barrel-aged wild ales and I was about, like, what? Yeah, insane. Yeah. But when I talk about the Texas scene being young, I am excluding them from that. I yeah, feel they like kind they of are exist. light years beyond yeah, what, what we're doing. that's it another episode done a massive thank you to molly for doing that with me how cool was that so much to take away from that one just amazing how they uh handle the you know we live in a pretty polarized time and handling it with smirnoff ice is pretty cool so massive thanks to molly big thanks to tom coucher for doing the production on this one as ever if you want to share this uh rate it do whatever you want with it it's much appreciated So we'll see you next week for another episode. And as ever, stay thirsty.